When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back inside Ohio Stadium, the horseshoe for the Monday after Ohio State 77, Toledo 21. That's Tim May, as always, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, Tim, let's dive right in as there's a lone trombone player sitting in b No, that's a trumpet player. Trumpet? Uh, okay. No, I, I did not interrupt issue. you there. I'm just correcting no, you. There's a big ahead. difference between interrupting and correcting. Well, but they're in B-deck up in, up in the north end zone. We've got planes flying over. Uh, but it's never a bad day to be inside the horseshoe, Tim. Saturday was a great day for Ohio State inside the horseshoe. 77-21, an offensive onslaught over the Toledo Rockets. Uh, Tim, you've been able to watch the film again. You've seen every angle that Jim Knowles and Ryan Day have seen. You've been in the building. No, you haven't been in the building, but you, you know what I'm getting at here. Yeah, figuratively, figuratively, I've been in the building. Your opening thoughts uh, after the second watch of Ohio State 77, Toledo 21. Just how dominant this offensive performance was. It's a, uh, you know, remember me asking uh, uh, Ryan Day on Thursday on our lightning round, uh, what would be a complete game, you know? And I'm just thinking him, he's gonna say, come out of the gate strong, fast, and stay that way. He kind of said sort, something sort of like that, but that's exactly what this offense did. Yep. It's exactly against a team like Toledo where you are, you have overmatched them. I think Toledo's a nice little football team, to be yes. honest with you. Uh, but they had, you know, they weren't ready for this challenge, let's put it that way. And Ohio State came right out of the gate, went right down the field, went right down the field, went right down the field, went right down the field. CJ Stroud operating about as efficient as he's ever operated. I think his quarterback rating at the end of the night, his passer rating was 256.8, which is crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, five touchdown passes. Uh, to what was he, 22 out of 26, whatever it was. It was he, something like that. Yeah, it was like I think he had five incompletions uh, and five touchdown passes. That's a pretty damn good night when you throw for over 350 yards, around 350 yards. And then the receivers he got involved in it, uh, mixing and matching, throwing all ball all, all over the field. That's exactly a dream scenario for your offense to get a feel for what's going on headed into the Big Ten opener. Defensively, as we pointed out on Saturday night, the uh, the, the hour after, if that's yeah. the name of that show, Ohio State took a 7-0 lead, and then this new vaunted defense gave up a touchdown drive on its first uh, series, and seven the game was 7-7, seven to seven, eventually going to end up 77-21. So, Daquan Finn, uh, Toledo's really elusive and faster than I thought he was uh, quarterback, exposed a few things in this Ohio State defense. Uh, as that as that night went on sporadically, but I don't put Graham Mertz in that same level. If you follow my drift, no. about elusiveness, etc. Graham Mertz, the quarterback for Wisconsin. So that's one of those aberration games. You put it behind you and you move on. And uh, so, yeah, I'm summarizing what I saw offensively, what I saw defensively. You saw a few gaffes again defensively. For, for the most part, it was a very solid performance. Yeah, Tim, and I, I think it's wise to remind people. I saw it on Twitter, and, and it made me remember uh, the 2019 season when Ohio State decimated Miami, Ohio, 73 to five, here in this building. 
and Miami went on to win the MAC. And so you beat a MAC champion by 68 points. Uh, Ohio State beat a MAC championship contender, contender for yeah. sure by 56 in this building uh, <coughs> just two days ago. Uh, and we'll get to the Wisconsin stuff here at the end of the show. But before we we get to that point, I was more and more impressed as I as I watched over again the game with C.J. Stroud. I know that it's uh, beating a, a, the same drum, um, you know, kicking the dead horse, whatever you want metaphor you want to use. That's yeah, not for, a dead horse. That's the opposite of a dead horse. Whatever you want to use for continuing to talk about this guy, he is absolutely special. He's so gifted at throwing the football. Um, the, the throw over the middle to Cade Stover, the, the one, the incompletion that I keep gushing about to Jackson Smith and Jigba was as perfectly thrown as it could be. And, and you know, you just had a, almost an accidental pass breakup by the Toledo defender. Um, some of those throws, you know, the layering of the throws and the layering of the routes where he's able to hit over the middle. Yeah. There's not a throw on this field or any of the other 130 FBS fields, maybe even the NFL stadiums they play the bowl games in, that C.J. Stroud cannot make. There's not one on any of those fields he cannot make. And it, it's just, it's so impressive. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, I, I'm not interrupting, but you make it almost sound like they put up hurdles and different things on different fields and stuff. That, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess I do. There's, there's, not a, there's not a throw he can't make on a football field, yeah. I think would summarize it. Well, there you go. Yeah, you can even take <laughs> yeah, it overseas. This, this isn't uh, stadium uh, jumping like my daughter used to take part in in uh, equestrian. <laughs> well, I think you have a fair point there. But my, the bottom line, as you like to say, the bottom line is C.J. Stroud is incredible at throwing the football. And, and that's not me. Uh, you know, some people claim that I'm a little too optimistic at all times, but just watch the film, guys. This, the, that performance over Toledo was as good a quarterback play as you're going to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. You know, the few times we get to go into practice, I pay attention to what's going on. And uh, back in the spring, they had uh, like that student appreciation day. Well, one of the drills before they broke it down and started running plays for the students was C.J. Stroud and Devin Brown and Kyle McCord they had like a, a screen set up about, I, I don't know how tall that screen is. It looks like it's about 10 feet tall, maybe even higher, but like they were, they were on like the 30 yard line and throw into the corner of the end zone. Uh, and they had to throw over that screen at about the uh, goal line or a little bit closer, but have it still drop in to the receiver standing in the corner of the end zone. If you follow my drift there, it's like a pitcher practicing his, uh, his sinker ball. They were all doing it. They did it repeatedly. So some of these throws, they look like almost like magic, but they've been practiced. Now, of course, magic tricks aren't really tricks. They are practiced. And that, that's what C.J. Stroud is doing. He's taking, he's taking everything he's learned and he's adding on onto it as we, as we watch, as we watch his progress as a uh, Ohio State quarterback. And you saw it again the other night. He's, he's made a couple, three throws the last two weeks where you gotta go, gah. I mean, that throw to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. down here at the corner of the sideline, the goal line, against Arkansas State was ridiculous how good it was. The window was only about this big and it was closing. And But timing wise, et cetera, he put it right in there because he had sold the play to the safety. He does all these things and then he delivers an accurate throw. So that's what's really staying out about him. He's become so much more of a pocket presence mm -hmm. and a manipulator of the game is the best way of putting it. Uh, that's where he's really standing out this year compared to this time a year ago. Yeah, we this time a year ago, remember, he was getting tweets. He was getting. He was. There were a lot of people that wanted Kyle McCord. Well, Tim, this time a year ago, if if I can remind everyone, he he set out against a MAC opponent. Correct. And and allowed himself to take a, you know, almost a week off to 
recalibrate and that wasn't just physical to him that was a lot of mental stuff that, that he had to to go through to make sure that he was was ready for this all of this and all of the 105,000 some odd people who were in here on Saturday um, so Kyle McCord got that start and ever since then Tim it has been a a pardon my term a rocket ship up for CJ Stroud yeah um, you can obviously talk about the, the the faults of the Michigan game with CJ Stroud but the the uh, unwillingness, if you will, to run the football. Uh, he got whacked you, a few times in that game too, which most people don't remember. But, yeah, uh, but you know the unwillingness to run the football, which we saw a little bit from him on this turf Saturday. Um, a new layer to the offense, him keeping a, a zone read, him pulling one down in a scramble and sliding to get a few extra yards. These are the, the maturations that you see from a second-year starter that Ryan Day has, and you know we saw it from Justin Fields in 2020, the way he progressed. You're seeing it from C.J. Stroud in real time right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I even tweeted about it. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but about when he kept on that zone read, I just went, okay, ladies and gentlemen, it finally happened. He had scrambled the week before against Arkansas State and ran out of bounds over there on the other sideline. But, uh, yeah, all he needs to do, you know, you're not asking him to become uh, uh, who's the kid at Buffalo? Josh Allen. You're not asking him to become that guy. But just – run the ball two or three times a game just to show that that also is in your repertoire. Now stop it. Yeah. Now stop this. That's the, the main thing. And yeah, yeah, you don't want him get, you don't want him selling out on any kind of run unless it's fourth and whatever and the game is on the line. Uh, you don't want him selling out because he is so valuable, valuable to you in all kinds of different ways on this football team. But just to put it on video that yes, this guy will run if you give him a chance. And by the way, he can be a quite effective runner if he wants to be. Absolutely. So that's what stands out. But you don't really have video proof of that. You still don't really have video proof of that even after the other night. But <laughs> it, it could be coming. Yeah. And, you know, that takes us to our next point. I was going to talk to you about it. Um, Ryan Day absolutely unloaded the playbook uh, in this game. You saw Jackson for the Jigba lineup in the backfield, except Mayan Williams was a slot receiver who ended up getting a pop pass when we would normally see Jackson gets the pop pass and Mayan Williams in the backfield. You saw the I formation. You saw uh, three tight ends in the field. You saw Josh Fryer as an extra offensive lineman. You saw four receivers on the field. You saw C.J. Stroud bootleg. You saw C.J. Stroud uh, play action drop back. You saw under center handoffs. Do I need to keep going, Tim? Uh, one, one quickie. Uh, that's my interrupter uh, scepter. Go ahead. Uh, you also saw Mitch Rossi, the fullback, the upback in the I formation the tight end quasi fullback get the handoff for a touchdown. That's what you also saw. Shades of Pete Johnson. But, but of course that was out of robust, but that's another story. But also, not, not only did Ohio State run a fullback die from there, they play action off of that I formation. Oh yeah. And ran a, a, a corner route to Cade Stover that should have been completed. It was CJ Stroud's first incompletion of the game. And uh, neither CJ Stroud nor Cade Stover were any at all happy with the way that play turned out. Here's what I like about Ryan Day. Ryan Day doesn't just put something in and run it one day, pardon the pun, yeah. one game and one play out of the I formation. You can see the way his brain works. He's got plays off of plays, off of play action, off of whatever. It's, he, it's, he has a complete, it, he showed it the other night, parts of it, a complete I formation package yep. that he can go to. Like we were talking about, about C.J. Stroud just running once or twice a game, how it changes things. Wow, when you get people sold on three tight ends being in there and then a tight end at fullback, and you're running a plunge play, and the next thing you know, you're play acting and you're coming out, and that pass to Stover was just off his fingertips. Yep. 
you know, otherwise you've got a touchdown there off of that, off of a little offshoot, off of the eye, which, yeah, everybody who runs the eye probably has that. There aren't that many people anymore, let's put it that but, but Ryan Day doesn't just want one or two gimmicks. He wants a complete package, and you showed ev he showed evidence of that the other night, which bodes well heading into the Big Ten. And it keeps linebackers, Tim, on their toes as far as you can't come up to the line knowing that Mitch Rossi's going to get that fullback dive. You can't come up to the line knowing Trevion Henderson's going to plunge it in from one yard on the first play of the game, on the first drive of the game, because Kate Sober can leak out. G. Scott is a capable receiver who can leak out at tight end. We saw Mitch Rossi in a uh, fullback arrow route last year at Rutgers yep. scoring a one-yard touchdown. Um, I think that's what I just said was all those things are possible. You know what I mean? From the standpoint, Ryan Day doesn't just have the affirmation to go the, run the ball oh. between the tackles. He, he has offshoots of that, which keeps the defense on his toes and keeps the defense from necessarily attacking what they think is coming. Which I think is why this is so important for Saturday specifically because the Wisconsin linebackers are fast, physical, attacking. Um, they're a good unit that knows how to get downhill. Well, Wisconsin, good luck going downhill because if you go downhill on this Ohio State team and try to sell out to stop the run, especially in those short yard situations, but they ran play action from you know under center everywhere on the field Saturday night. Yeah. If you're if you get too aggressive and and your eyes can your eyes can deceive you, Tim, especially those linebackers who like to play against the run for Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden, you're getting beat on a pass play. Uh, it's just an interesting dynamic this Ohio State defense, this Ohio State offense rather, uh, presents for defenses. Just their ability to do whatever they want and install all of those things. And now Jim Leonard in Wisconsin has to be sitting up in Madison thinking, okay, how do we possibly de defend all of this and prepare to defend all of this? That's part of the game the coaches play uh, between each other. You talk about the chess game. The chess game is about preparation through the week, uh, you know, how many times, you know, Ohio State did show the eye, I think, last year a few times, but how many times have you seen them do the things we just delineated out of the eye formation? Mm -hmm. Almost looks like it might be like like Woody Hayes had the robust T. Looks like the eye formation could be Ohio State's uh, formation de, de guerre. Is that, the, is that the right word? For Formation de jour? No, that's yeah. uh, for the day or the hour. Uh, Anyway, it could be Ohio State's formation they go to when they get inside the 10-yard line, or not, because they can put the, they can put that personnel on the field, and suddenly you got one back, and you've got uh, two tight ends split, and you can go to all kinds of things with that, with that personnel grouping or uh, package on the field, and uh, that'll be interesting to see where they go from there. But, but the thing, the main thing is, is make the defense have to prepare for so much stuff. Spend so much time that you don't get to focus on one thing uh, or one or two main things dur during the course of a uh, of a practice week. And then Tim, there's always old reliable. And I said this in the press box on Saturday night. Ohio State faced a third and I believe 14. And I looked at somebody who was in the press box, one of our friends, and I said, uh, I think they should run the play where the five star throws to the five star here to get it this third and 14. And uh, I, actually, I'll I'll even make it clear. It was after Luke Whipler jumped full start. Um, and they, I think they were facing a longer third down. And C.J. Stroud was pretty mad about that happening. You could tell on the field he was not happy that they had a penalty. Um, and I said they should throw where they should run the play where the five-star throws to the five-star. And if all else fails, Ohio State has an ability for C.J. Stroud to throw to a five-star receiver and pick up a third and long. So, you know, this offense can be so many different things. 
But when it needs. Well, don't leave people hanging. Who do you throw to? Emeka Ibuka across the middle. Well, and just joking, up. man. You got to got to follow up. You got to follow up to make sure the, the four people who don't know who Emeka Ibuka is or didn't watch the game know what you're talking about. Well, if you didn't watch C.J. Stroud's performance, I'm sorry that you didn't get to. And if you still have the chance to, go do it. Uh, and now we'll flip over, Tim, to the defense, which has some faults for all of its success so far this season. It's still averaging, giving up um, not many points a game. I think now they're at about 16 points if, I'm, if my math isn't, isn't terrible, which it usually is terrible, so check me on that in the comments. That's fine. Um, 43 this, divided by 3. This defense is uh, in an interesting spot, Tim. It's very successful against the run. Um, its defensive line looks like it's one of the most menacing to go against in the country already. Um, but for the success, it also has issues right now on the back end. Cornerback uh, play has been sporadic, let's say, uh, through three weeks. I'm not going to lay fault on anyone in particular. It's just been an interesting roller coaster for these Ohio State corners who haven't recorded a turnover, who have given up a couple touchdowns now, and had a, a busted coverage, um, not really a busted coverage, but a busted play down in the end zone for, for Toledo to score its third and final touchdown. Yep. I, there, there are some issues there, Tim, and, and, and you wonder where Ohio State's going to turn to get those things ironed out. Yeah. I mean, see, I don't have a hard and fast answer for you there. It's no short answer. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Number one, it's pretty obvious to me, I've been telling people this for a while now, it's pretty obvious to me that teams are going to try to attack the edges of this defense. Well, who's out on the edges? The cornerbacks. They're not on islands, they're on edges. And uh, uh, so that's what's going to happen. These cornerbacks are going to be challenged. Uh, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, J.K. Johnson, Jordan Hancock, if he ever gets back, right on down the line. They're going to get challenged a lot more than, than maybe most people would expect. And occasionally, you're going to give up a play. You know, I don't think they've given up play after play after play. No. That's not the problem. Uh, and I don't think giving up a play every now and then is a problem. But like uh, the other night when you let the quarterback run, you know, scramble out and then he hits a guy, uh, you kind of lose contain of a, one guy deep and he hits the guy in stride for a touchdown, that's a problem. When a quarterback just makes a ridiculous play and comes out over to this edge and then throws a jump ball toward the goal line and your defender is there and a receiver is there and it's a one-on-one -on -one battle to go get up, maybe go get the ball, your defender is not really in position to do that. The offender catches the ball. Well, the sin on that play was he got the ball and then he scored. He could have been tackled about the five-yard line. Correct. I mean, Burke. okay, you got beat for the ball, but tackle the man. Uh, that, to me, would be what would be driving me nuts uh, if I'm Jim Knowles and uh, Tim Walton and uh, Perry, uh, Perry Eliano and his defensive staff. Obviously, Larry Johnson coaches the, uh, the uh, defensive line. But that, would, that, that play right there would bother me a lot. Make them go the hard way. The hard way is, okay, occasionally they're going to hit a big play. Did they score? Okay, that's really bad, and uh, especially the way that play happened. So that one stood out to me more than ever, more than anything else. But the bottom line is, I think they have the personnel. I think Denzel Burke is a good ball player. He has not played great this year so far. That's no big surprise. And every mistake he makes gets gets uh, magnified because of where he's playing and what he's playing. Uh, the attacks are going to continue to come yep. because that's the way you attack this this defense. With that said, we'll see if. Wisconsin has the wherewithal to do that. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't look quite like the, the uh, physical get-after-you kind of team as they've been 
in the past, but Braylon Allen, man, he looks like he's really coming on at running back. Uh, might be right up there knocking on the doors, maybe the best running back in the, in the, in the Big Ten this year. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but you're going to have, once again, the cornerbacks out on an island. Do they make plays this week? And it might not come against Wisconsin, Tim. The the, the issues at cornerback so far, it might you might have to wait until October eighth at Michigan State, who, for its faults in the run game and its inability to move the ball in the first half against Washington, threw the ball relatively well on the Huskies in the second half, and that's a good Washington secondary. You look at. Uh, Penn State, who can throw the ball pretty well if they're given uh, a run game to support them. Nick Singleton looks like that guy. You go to Maryland, who has the second best receiving core, maybe the third best receiving core in the Big Ten, and who's the second behind Ohio State? It could be Michigan, who's going to be on this field here in, uh, I think, 67, 68 days. And so you've got to get those things figured out. You've got a little bit of time. I don't think Wisconsin presents huge challenges to corners on the outside. I don't think Rutgers uh, presents challenges, huge challenges on the outside, but Michigan State certainly will. And so maybe it doesn't happen against Wisconsin because Ohio State has traditionally played very well against these highly anticipated Wisconsin running, you know, highly touted Wisconsin running backs. Yeah. However, if you bottle up Braylon Allen, there are still going to be times, like you said, where cornerbacks will be asked in one-on-one -on -one coverage to defend the edges. And, uh, we just haven't seen consistent consistency out of those guys yet this year. That's not to say they can't get there, um, but when all else fails, this run defense is legit, Tim. Yeah, you know the trumpeter was just playing his uh, sounds like second trumpet part on you better wake up, uh, basically a grease song. So uh, we'll see if Ohio State can add the grease in the proper spots on this defense to get things unlimbered. Uh, back to what you were saying though, uh, what I'm talking about about deep, about offenses attacking the corners. Uh, that's what you got to do if you're trying to sell all, sell your power running game. You're going to get those matches out there. It may not be a great matchup for you, but you're going to get those matches of one on one. Any offense is going to try to take advantage of a one on one matchup yep. several times during a game. So it's not going to stop, um, is what I'm getting to, for Cam Brown and uh, Denzel Burke, you know, or J.K. Johnson, who I thought played pretty well the other night. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, I mean we're nit, we're not really nitpicking because anytime you give up touchdowns. That's something to go back and look at. Yep. Without a doubt. Because that can come back. Other teams will study that, come back to haunt you. But that was such a wild play. The, the scramble from way over one side of the play all, field all the way over the other and just throw a jump ball up and just the way it, it happened. You know, Ohio State's done a fairly decent job this year so far of stopping planned plays. And if they can keep that going and make a team just have to beat you with miracles or magic, uh, they got something going on. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and one thing that we know, like I had said, you know, just a couple minutes ago, you're not, so far, you're not running on this Ohio State team unless it's a broken play by Daquan Ford. We're going to find out this week. The, the run defense has been stout and stellar. Teron Vincent, I think, had one of his best games as a Buckeye. Um, Agreed. You, you know, look at the Rose Bowl. That was probably his best outing. Uh, this might have been the second best, uh, albeit against Toledo. A, a Mac program, but a good Mac program at that. Uh, Mike Hall didn't play. That's a little concerning. Tyler Williams, I thought, made progress. Still isn't where he should be against the run, I, but I, I'm going to keep beating that drum until he proves that he's going to be against the run like he can be against the pass. Um, JT Tuimoloau, Jack Sawyer, uh, keep doing their thing. And I will add, Tim, Zach Harrison gets a lot of heat from a lot of people. Zach Harrison played a damn good football game on Saturday night, and I think that is... His trajectory is beginning to go up. I think he's playing really well right now. I'm excited to see what he does in Big Ten. Yeah, I think he's fitting in pretty well into this defense. He's finding his little niche. And another guy I'm watching who's getting more time 
I think is being pretty effective when he's when he's in there is Ty Hamilton. Yes. Kid from Pickerington. And Jerron Cage, obviously, you know, the, the veteran uh, from Cincinnati. I mean, he's playing he's playing well too. But Ty Hamilton, man, he seems to be getting more and more time. It looks like uh, Larry Johnson likes him. So we'll see where that what his trajectory is. Like you said, they played the whole game the other night without their their most effective defensive tackle so far in Mike Hall. Uh, I'm expecting him to be back this week. You are too. I mean, there were there were some guys held out the other night from an abundance of caution. Of course, we never get a specific reason why, which I think leaves us hanging a little, leaves you hanging a little bit too much in limbo there, in my opinion, uh, for a lot of people. But uh, uh, obviously, Josh Proctor uh, and Tanner McAllister did not start the game. Two starting safeties uh, did not start the game. They got a great game, I thought, out, like you said, uh, out of Cam Martinez and uh, Lathan Ransom played well again. Uh, and then, of course, Ronnie Hickman out there directing traffic. And uh, the adjuster. interception. Oh, exactly. Get, finally, they get up their first interception of the year. Ronnie Hickman comes down with it. He was pretty pleased with that. But he, Ronnie Hickman's kind of guy that doesn't take a lot of bows. You know that about him? Yeah. He's just pretty nonplussed. He's kind of like the guy you won't fly in your airplane in a thunderstorm. But uh, I digress. Bottom line is, I think a lot of things are coming around for this defense, but it was always going to be a work in progress, especially as the season starts. And if they get the corner thing figured out, they could be going places. And you know, now that we've mentioned about every guy on the defense team, I will I will say you're going to mention one more. Three weeks into the season, I I will uh, not correct myself, but kind of make the point clear. Before the season in training camp, I started to beat the drum a little for Cody Simon. I wanted to know. I was curious more than questioning, but I was very very curious. Was his performance last year injury-based or performance-based? Those two things were in correlation, but was it a Cody Simon had issues last year or did his injury give him issues? I think it is very safe to say right now, Tim, Cody Simon's injury held him back last year. Oh, I, I had no Absolutely. question. Absolutely. But I had no question last year about that. I mean, the guy's dealing with a shoulder deal, man, and a linebacker. He is playing his tail off right now, and that's not taking anything away from what Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg are doing, piloting, if we're going to stay on that metaphor, this defense. Those two are very good at what they do. They were lost a couple times by Daquan Finn, but he's going to lose a lot of defenders in the open field yeah. um, when they're trying to spy him. He, he's just an elusive guy. Cody Simon, though, for the flack that he got last year, because he did get some of that from Ohio State fans and from well, me. You know, fans um, are but yeah, fickle. Yeah. Um, but, Luke Fickle. But, but we read that stuff. We pay attention. And, you know, uh, Cody Simon is playing very, very well right now. And, and I think he deserves a tip of, the hat, tip of the cap right now based on his performance through three weeks. Now, again, we're going to go back to it. Braylon Allen, this Wisconsin offense, present a whole new set of challenges to these linebackers. Can you play in tight spaces? Can you... Uh, you know, make sure to keep Braylon Allen between the tackles where Ohio State is best at defending the run. That is the biggest question this week. If you don't let him spill anything, you keep him between those tackles, you're going to have success against this Wisconsin rushing game. Wisconsin forever, and it's still this the case, Wisconsin forever has made its meat and potatoes of getting the running back to the second level and then letting him do his thing. Uh, against New Mexico State, that was no problem. Against Washington State, that Huge was a problem. problem. Huge problem. Uh, do I equate Ohio State's defense with Washington State's defense? I think Ohio State has a better defense than Washington State. It's I know I'm standing out here, could get hit by lightning, it's clouding up, et cetera. Bold statement. Uh, so Ohio State has its first real I, – I think Notre Dame was a real challenge from a physical standpoint, but Notre Dame just didn't have the – whatever you want to call it, the firepower, in my opinion. I was kind of 
disappointed in the overall amount of firepower available to Notre Dame. Uh, Wisconsin has a little bit more firepower on offense, and they are going to line up, and they are going to test this Ohio State defensive front six, four two five front six with the safety coming down. And you know, by the end of the the night on Saturday night, we're going to have much more of an appreciation of how far this Ohio State defense has come or not. Well, I think the biggest difference between Notre Dame and Wisconsin, Tim, is Notre Dame's biggest offensive threat was a tight end, who is, it's a little more difficult to yeah, get. Yeah, decent ball. running back. But it's a little bit more difficult to give your best player the, the ball when he's a tight end. It's a lot easier to turn around and hand the ball off to a running back and get your running back the ball. And so that's the difference, I think, between the way Notre Dame can operate offensively and the way Wisconsin can operate offensively. They're different challenges, but in a way, uh, physicality-wise, they're, they're both a little on similar footing. Um, I'm just talking about the guys. The yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about the offensive linemen you're actually going against, what they're trying to get accomplished. You know, everybody runs, everybody runs zone blocking schemes 99% of the time anymore and stuff. They try to get big bodies in, in, in the way more than they just line up and blow you off the ball. Yep. Big bodies are hard to run around, et cetera. And, they, and Wisconsin, has, they ran that stretch play to the end of the earth, you know, uh, many, many years ago. It was crazy. They still have that a little bit in their, in their DNA. I mean, just, you know, basically getting around the hog mollies to get to the ball carrier has always been the biggest challenge when it comes to playing a big time team like an like a like a Notre Dame, like an Ohio, like an Ohio State, like a Michigan, uh, like like an Alabama. I mean, and that's what'll be the challenge for this new look defense to keep things clear for the linebackers, the two linebackers, to be able to get to the ball and make some plays in more of a classic sense. Well, we'll find all of that out Saturday night at 7.30 on, I believe the game is on ABC, Tim. Last week I was completely wrong with the TV channel. That, that game Saturday night was on Fox, not Big Ten Network, because I'm not a smart person who continuously said Big Ten Network. But that's a different story for a different time, Tim. I'm not uh, a very smart man. <laughs> you can't be right all the time, and I was not right last Monday. But I am right Boy, about Boy, you put me and you together, man. What you got? <laughs> no, not much, Tim. Not much. I'm surprised they let us on camera every we Monday. We might have a, we put us together, we might have a 100 IQ. Go ahead. <laughs> But no, you know, that, that's who cares about that mistake? I mean, people people found the game. 105,000 people showed up for that game. Yeah. Extremely impressive. Yeah. First three games drew over 100. We all remember the Akron game a year ago that drew 76,000. 76, what a disappointment. Even the Oregon game looked like it wasn't a sellout. You know yeah. what I mean? Just from a, I mean, the fans have shown up. But the fans understand, I think, what's going on here. This is a premier football team they're watching and it still needs some development in certain areas, but you're not gonna find a more wide open, robust, pardon my pun there, offense anywhere in America than Ohio State. You're not gonna find one better than this. Uh, this is modern offense times two. And then if you throw in the modern defense they're trying to get to, you know, I think fans understand something special is going on here. Well, and I also think last year, Tim, at the beginning. That's not hyperbole. That's fact. But I think last year as well, Tim, that, that we were in a little bit different of a situation uh, with, with the pandemic-wise at the beginning of 2021 than we are at the beginning of 2022. Um, and, you know, also, Toledo's a better team than Akron, and so there was more reason, I think, for fans to come out here. Uh, but the, the horseshoe was rocking uh, relatively Saturday night. It was rocking back in the Notre Dame game. Guys, I'm telling you, it is going to be a madhouse in here on Saturday night, 7.30 on ABC for Ohio State and Wisconsin. Tim and I will be here just like we're here right now inside the Horseshoe for the Monday after. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, click the little bell underneath and get notifications every time we post one. Uh, come hang out with us at the Letterman 
Lounge and Message Board. We're answering subscriber questions all year long for just $1 a year right now. Make sure to get, jump on that deal. It's an absolute steal. But that's Tim May, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Tuesday in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for everything Ohio State football. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.